Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Praise God. Okay, my assignment is speaking the gospel of the kingdom. And I want you to pay very close attention to what I'm about to say. Because you see, we have a lot of gospels going on. A lot of teachings going on. And as a matter of fact, the body of Christ is suffering today. Um, when I mean suffering, kind of a lot of divisions, segregations, camps, because of what is going on, in terms of what is being taught. We have those who talk about the apostolic. And so, if you are not an apostle, then you are not a minister, maybe. And then we have those who talk about grace. If you are not preaching grace, then you have not started. And then you begin to talk about those who talk about holiness. And on and on. So you know there's a lot of factions within the body of Christ. And that is because of the kind of teachings and messages that we kind of are carrying on. But the point again I want to see is what exactly did Jesus preach? If we are disciples of Jesus, if we are the followers of Jesus, what exactly did he preach? The gospel of the kingdom, as we're going to see, if I may mention that, it may surprise you to know that Jesus never preached grace, never preached sanctification, never preached holiness, never preached deliverance. In fact, he preached deliverance, but he never conducted deliverance. Because Luke 4, he said, The Lord, Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Remember that? Did. And talk about preach deliverance. So we preach deliverance, we don't conduct deliverance. If we must follow what Jesus did. Now, the gospel of the kingdom. The word kingdom is actually two words joined together king and domain. That means the domain of the king. You can have things like dukedom, the domain of a duke. So when you say kingdom, you are talking about the domain of a king. Is that okay? Right. Now, for every king, they have to be subjects. You cannot have a king without subjects. And you cannot have a domain without a king. So, in a very simple way, I would say all of us here would know about the Benin Kingdom. And we have the Obar of Benin, isn't it? Right. Now, the Edo speaking people are the subject of the Obar of Benin. And the Benin Kingdom is within the territory of the Edo states. And then the Benin Kingdom, they have their own culture. 
and language which is their dual speaking people so when you talk about a kingdom you need four things to make up a kingdom you have a king you have the subjects of the king you have the territory which is the domain of the king and you have the culture or the laws of those people so if those four things are in a place then you have a kingdom so now we can say that God being a king I mentioned four things you have the king you have the subject you have the territory and then you have the laws this thing makes up a kingdom and so when you look at for instance the garden of Eden a type of a kingdom as it were God was a king Adam and Eve were the subject the territory was Eden the culture of the law was thou shalt not eat the four things were readily available in the garden of Eden so you had a kingdom are you done with me? kings in those days were very powerful I've always said this before I think Israel in the very beginning never had kings because God was ruling they were theocratic government as it were because God was ruling through the priest and the prophet remember that it was in the days of Samuel that the people said we need a king like all the nations and God gave them song so God has also been a father and not a king now Kings were very powerful. Not like what we have today. We don't have kings today. All these are ceremonial kings. You can imagine what happened in the days of Herod, King Herod, when he gave a decree to kill all the young men because another king was born two years down. You remember that? And it happened because a king made a decree. We don't have kings today. All the ones who are having uh, government appointed people and they have no regard, no respect, they can't make laws. They are just political kings, appointees of government. We don't have kings today. So I want to make you see how powerful the word king is. So when you say Jesus is king, you should be able to know what you're talking about. He's a man that bears rules. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, let's begin to see when Jesus started ministry, what did he start with? And so I would like to look at Amplified Translation on book of Mark chapter 1, 14 to 15. Amplified Translation. Hallelujah. And this is what it says. Now, after John was arrested and put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the good news, the gospel of the kingdom of God. What did he start with? The good news, the gospel of the kingdom of God. That is what he started with. And saying the appointed time 
or the period of time is fulfilled, completed, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, have a change of mind, which issues in regret for past sins and in change of conduct for the better, and believe, trust, and rely on and adhere to the good news, the gospel. Adhere to what? The good news, the gospel. He said it should adhere to something. Then I wonder what we are adhering to today. As what we claim to be the gospel we're preaching. What exactly are we preaching? What do you see on televisions? What do you see all of this big stuff all over the place? What do you see? But Jesus said, adhere to one gospel. The gospel of the kingdom. Now, read it from King James. It will say, believe the gospel. In the King James translation. You see that? And saying the time is fulfilled. Yes, just leave it there. King James, verse 15. Hallelujah. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and do what? Believe the gospel. They didn't say believe in grace. They didn't say believe in all of those things we're preaching. They never believe into all of that. They will ask you to believe into all of that. I'll make you see something. Okay, you go with me again to the book of Acts chapter 1. This is when it began. Ministry. I want you to see something. Acts chapter 1 verse number 1. And then we read chapter 3. The former treaties have I made of Theophilus of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. What he began both to do and teach. I want you to see the emphasis. What did he begin with? The gospel of the kingdom. What did he teach? The gospel of the kingdom. Hallelujah. Verse 2. Until the day in which he was taken up after that, he through the Holy Ghost had given commandment unto the apostles whom he had chosen. Verse 3. To which also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and doing what? Speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom. When he started ministry, it was kingdom. When he was to leave after resurrection, it was kingdom. My question is, what are we preaching? He started preaching kingdom. In fact, he died because of what he was preaching. I'll make you see that. In the book of John. He started the gospel of the kingdom for 40 days before he finally arose. I mean... God in the glory, he was teaching things pertaining to the kingdom of God. What are you preaching, believers? You see why we can have unity of faith? You see why we can have common understanding? You see why we can have people even believing who Jesus is? Because we've left what we're supposed to be doing and we're doing something else. Look at 2 John chapter 
Second John verse number 9. Let me see if that's what I would look for. You can take it from a very simpler translation if you will. Maybe NIV. Second John. The letter of Second John verse number 9. If you can find it. Look at it. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whosoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. Second John verse number 9. Whosoever runs ahead, in other words, you have your own doctrine, your own teachings that you are full of, ahead and beyond what he was teaching. You don't have God. Does somebody say, how can you do ministry without having God? What about the signs and wonders? Using the name, calling his name, makes no difference. How many of you understand, according to the book of Ephesians, the Gentiles were without God in the world. You understand what I mean? Why do you think in Matthew chapter 7 he said, Go away from me, ye that walk in iniquity? What is iniquity? Iniquity means anomia. Those who do things without law, those who do things without being commanded to do it. That's what is called iniquity. He said, I'll say, Go away from me, for I knew you not. Know you not doesn't mean you doesn't know your name. You know, it would be funny for you to think that Jesus doesn't know people's name or even God never knew where Adam was when they say, Adam, where are you? Was, was Adam lost from the presence of God? No. He was asking Adam, now that you have eaten the tree, what is not your state? What is your condition? I said, don't eat what you ate. Now, where are you now? What is not your condition? Adam was not lost from the presence of God. So when God said, I knew you not, what it means, he had no relationship with you. Because in Genesis chapter 4, the Bible tells us, Cain knew his wife, I mean Adam knew his wife, and brought forth another son. To know is to have intercourse. That's it, verse 17 says, He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. When he said, I knew you not, in other words, you were never a bride to me, I have no relationship with you. So you can do ministry without having a relationship with God. And the only thing that connects you to a true relationship with God is to preach what he preached, to teach what he taught, and to believe what he believed. Are you following me? Go with me to Luke chapter 4, verse 44. Let me say 43, 44. Very quickly. I'm just to give you some simple definition. Luke chapter 4. Now, it was in a certain region and he needed to move, but the people said, No, you don't need to go. So, this is what he told him. And he said unto them, I must preach what? The kingdom of God to other cities also. For therefore I am sent. What was he sent to do? To preach the kingdom. Now, if that is what he was sent to do, why are you doing something else other than what you were sent to do? <laughs> Hallelujah. Are we getting it? I want you to just follow it. You see, we're doing so many things that God has never asked us to do. I will call it gospel. 
there is only one gospel the good news of the kingdom of God every other thing you want to talk about they are embedded in that singular gospel whether it is grace is in the gospel of the kingdom whether it is righteousness is in the gospel of the kingdom it's alright there anyway let me move on a little bit you know, sometimes we have this confusion. People tell you, well, the kingdom of God is not down here. Maybe they, they tell you it's up in the sky. When you're raptured, you go to the kingdom of God. Others say, well, there's a difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. I must make this known to you that it's only Matthew that used the word the kingdom of heaven. All other gospel is the kingdom of God. Now I'll show you something now. Matthew chapter 10, verse number 7 and 8. Matthew 10, verse number 7 and 8. Bible says, And as he go, he was speaking to the disciples. Preach saying. Now watch this. He was giving a commandment to his disciples. Preach saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. Cast the devils freely, you have received freely give. Now go with me. The same commission. Go to the account of Luke. Luke chapter 9. Verse number 1. Luke chapter 9 verse number 1. Then he called his twelve disciples together. Luke chapter 9 verse number 1. And gave them power and authority of all devils and to cure diseases. Verse 2. And he sent them to do what? Preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So, is it that Jesus was giving the commandment to the disciples to preach two different gospels? No. So, the word kingdom of heaven is only used by Matthew, but all of that writers use the kingdom of God. They are saying the same thing. When you really talk about the kingdom of heaven, you are talking about the realm. And when you talk about the kingdom of God, you're talking about the person. Is that okay? So, the kingdom is owned by a person and is in the realm of the spirit. As opposed to earthly kingdom. That's what it means. So when you say the kingdom of heaven, means the kingdom is heavenly in nature. And when you say the kingdom of God, you say God rules in that kingdom. You say the same thing. So there are no two different gospels. Hallelujah. And now let me give you a simple illustration so that you can understand what I'm saying. Luke chapter 15, verse 17, about the prodigal son. Look at what it said here. Luke 16, I mean 15, verse 17. The prodigal son, the Bible says that when he came to himself, he said, How many higher servants of my fathers have I has bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. And I will say unto him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before thee. Is that okay? Now, if you have the good news translation, just go there and make a comparison. You can check other translation, but let's look at the good news. The same account, Luke 15. Verse 17. Look at what it says. 
At last he came to his senses and said, All my father's hired workers have more than they can eat. And here I am about to starve. I will go up and go to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against God and against you. King James said, I've sinned against heaven. Did you get that? Good news said, I've sinned against God. So heaven equals God, God equals heaven. So there's no two gospels in regard to the gospel of heaven and the gospel of the kingdom. He's saying the same thing. Does it make sense? Praise the Lord. Now go with me to Revelation chapter 11 verse 15. Revelation 11 verse 15. The Bible says, And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and it shall reign forever and ever. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord. And of his Christ. I'm going to give you some explanation. But as I move on you will be able to understand. What it actually means is. God is going to rule. All nations. The domain of God. Is going to be all over the world. Hallelujah. The rule of God. Shall be established in all nations. So there's not going to be any kingdom on the earth. That will not have the influence of God's spirit. That's what he's talking about. In fact, as you read, is becoming the kingdoms of our Lord. That is to say, God is entering into all nations, all kingdoms. And taking dominion over the rulership of those nations. And that is going to be through the gospel. That is why he asked you to preach the gospel of the kingdom. Because you see, you are an ambassador. That's what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5. An ambassador is actually sent to another nation to inject the culture of their own nation to that nation that they are sent to. That is why, you see, an ambassador stays at the embassy of a country in another country. Is that okay? So, for instance, the embassy of Ghana we have the ambassador of Ghana here in Nigeria. Now that embassy is a country of its own. You cannot just go in there. If peradventure a Nigerian citizen even or a Ghanaian citizen commits a crime and finds his way into the embassy in Nigeria here, Ghana embassy now, Nigeria will have to apply to Ghana for extradition of that individual at the embassy. They don't have right to go there. If they go there to invade that embassy, they have invaded Ghana. That's how powerful an embassy is. This is why he discovered that Job, before the devil could touch Job, he had to first apply to heaven. Because Job was more or less an embassy or an ambassador of God on the earth. 
So the devil can't touch you without first applying to heaven. It is only by the approval of God that the devil can touch you. If you truly understand what it means to be at the embassy of God. It's not enough to say we are ambassadors. You have to understand the role of an ambassador and where an ambassador stays. So by implication, an ambassador is taking the culture of his country, home country, into another country. So when you take the gospel into another nation, you are injecting the principles of God's kingdom into those kingdoms. That's what it means for commission to go into mission. Go ye into the world. That's what he's talking about. Praise the living God. So that is what we find here. Now, let's look at something in Daniel chapter 2. Verse 43. Daniel 2, 43. The Bible says, And where of that sowest? Now, how many of you have heard about the image of Daniel? Right? You've read about the image of Daniel. Right, the head of gold, and then silver, and then brass, and iron. Remember that? The top was, uh, what was it? The gold there? Babylon, the Madupatia, Greece, and then what? Rome. These are the four kingdoms represented in that image. Now, when Daniel's image, I mean, um, Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel has come to interpret the dream that the king had. And here was what he told him. And where thou sawest iron mixed with merry claim, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another. Even as iron is not mixed with claim. Verse 44. And in the days, I want you to know this, if you have your Bible, you can mark it. In the days of these kings, shall the God of heaven set up what? A kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to all the people. But it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron and the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God had made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter, and the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof sure. What do you see here? Two things I want you to note. In the days of these kings, what kings? Those kingdoms, Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome. In the days of these kings, God will set up his own kingdom. Are you following what I'm talking about now? Just follow this story. This is historical understanding that you need to pick from there. And he said, for as much as you saw that the little stone came, the stone that would call without hand. What was that stone? That was Christ. That was the kingdom of God. He shall smash the other kingdoms and it shall be established. And if you begin to read like Mark, he said he grew and became a mountain and filled the whole wall. That little stone became a mountain. Is that okay? And that speaks of Christ and his kingdom. He grew and filled the whole world. Where you begin to hear the teachings about the rapture. How that when it comes in. And at this stage it's going to stop. And then we come pick us up. You know, you have how many years of tribulation. Something like that. 
You can find that in the Bible. The stone grew and became a mountain. There was no stop. It's halfway of the growth of the stone. Neither will you see the little seed in the book of Mark. That was planted and grew and became a mighty tree. There was no stunted growth. It's a continuous growth and it became a great mountain. Filled the whole world. Where did you see that in the Bible? Anyway, we're not talking about that. Hallelujah. So here we find that God said in the days of his kingdoms. In the days of his kings. And what happened? Jesus came and said the time is fulfilled. What time? In the days of those kings. What time was Jesus born? He was born at the time of the Roman Empire. That was the last kingdom of the four kingdoms. Can you understand it now? Very good. In the days of this kingdom shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which can never be moved. And Jesus came and said the time is fulfilled. Believe ye the gospel. What gospel? Well, Daniel spoke about. I came to bear witness of the truth. Come with me to John chapter 18 verse 33. The book of John chapter 18 verse 33. Hallelujah. Here the scripture says. Then Pilate entered when Jesus was brought before Pilate. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again. And called Jesus and said unto him. Adore the king of the Jews. <laughs> Jesus answered him saying. Thou this thing of thyself, say the sin of thyself, or did others tell thee of me? You know what that means? Because if Jesus says, he is a king right there, but he's going to tell them. But they came to tell the people. The Jews hated him. And they came to tell Pilate, listen to me. You are lying this man to do what he's doing? He said he's a king. Now, if... Peradventure, yes, it's agreed that it's the king of the Jews. That means the Jews will no longer pay tax to Rome. Because they have to pay tax to your king. You don't pay it to another king. That's the implication of that question. Are you a king of the Jews? Is that okay? Come on, are you with me? Now, Jesus said, This thing you are saying, are you saying it of yourself or somebody told you? And Pilate answered him and said, Am I a Jew? <laughs> the whole nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What has that done? So they play all these allegations against Jesus so that they can crucify him. But hear what Jesus said. Verse 36. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servant fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hands. You know what he's saying here? He's not saying the kingdom is not here. What he's trying to tell Pilate is this. My kingdom principle is different from natural principle of the kingdom. My kingdom don't fight with weapons like the natural kingdom will fight. The economy of my kingdom is not like the way your own kingdom operates. That's what he means by my kingdom is not of this world. He's not saying it's not here. Are you listening to me? You see, look at the way the kingdom operates. It is more blessed to give than to receive. It's a kingdom upside down. Look at the way the kingdom operates. Blessed are sought who give. 
than you receiving. In other words, if you want to prosper in the kingdom, you become a giver. But in the world, you know how to save money to become rich. Are you following what I'm talking about? In this kingdom, somebody offend you, you'll be the one to go and make appeal. I mean, make amends. Think about that. The Bible says, if you know that your brother has offended you, he's angry with you, you go first, make amends, and leave your sacrifices on the altar. The wall is, if I offend you, I should come and make a man. But now, in this kingdom, you are the one to come to me. It's a kingdom upside down. It doesn't operate the way the world operates. Are you listening to me? Now, I want you to pick the statement of Jesus here. When he said, are you a king of the Jews? He said, well, who told you that? Your people said that. Hallelujah. So, he was trying to explain to this man, and then if you go down the scripture, I say for this purpose, let's read the next verse there. Next verse, Pilate therefore said unto him, Are thou a king then? You listen. Jesus answered, Thou said that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world. Did you get that? For this end was I born, for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness. Look at it. Unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. What witness? Witness to what Daniel said. In the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up his kingdom. I came to bear witness to that. And the purpose of being a king was I born. Now, if you say he's not a king, if you say the kingdom is not here, that means Jesus was a hypocrite. He lied. But he told Pilate, I was born a king. And it is for only that reason that I came into this world. And to be a witness to the truth that Daniel said in prophecy. I'll make you see. Hallelujah. There is something between the sovereignty of God and the rule of God. Let me explain that before I move on. If you look at Colossians 1 verse 16, the Bible says, For by him we are all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible. Colossians 1 16. Whether they be thrones or demons, I mean dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Verse 17. And it is before all things, and by him all things consist. Amen? Now, in this context, he creates all things. He has authority over all things. But, get this right again. When you come to the kingdom, he has subjects. He is sweet. Let me put it this way. God is a universal concept. But fatherhood is a principle of those who are born again. God is 
God. You see, everybody calls him God. But you don't call him God. You call him what? Father. I don't know if I get what I'm talking about. So universally, he is God. And all people ascribe whatever name they want for him. Oloku, I mean, I mean just name it. The Yorubas had the name, the Yorubos had the name, the Soko had all the name, you know. Sinobwa, whatever thing you want to talk about. All of those things, they call God. But in the kingdom, he's not God, he's a father. Now, now, now this is why I will touch it. In Matthew chapter 6 verse 10, Jesus was teaching about the prayer. What did he say you should pray? Our father. He didn't say our God. Why? Because in the kingdom, God is not just God, but what? A father. Who gave birth to you. He created a trees, but he gave birth to you. He created angels, but he gave birth to you. Angels are not made in his likeness. You are made in his likeness. That is why you can judge angels. That is why even your conversion is a mystery to angels. Because they don't know what conversion means. Are you following this? Hallelujah. So, in Matthew chapter 10 again, like we said, I mean chapter 6 verse number 10. Let's just look at that again. After this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, thy kingdom come. Oh, hallowed be thy name. Right? And the next thing is say what? Thy kingdom come. But first of all, notice the, the beginning of this thing. Remember, this is not the Lord's prayer. This is the disciples' prayer. We say the Lord's Prayer. That is wrong. The disciples said, teach us to pray. So it was the disciples that were to pray this prayer, not Jesus. So it's not the Lord's Prayer. It's the disciples' prayer. If you want to find the Lord's Prayer, you go to John 17. Do you understand that? This is the disciples' prayer. What did he ask them to pray? When you pray, he said, it's our Father. Now, why did he use that word? It means he was trying to tell them, my father is now also your father. You see, God was his father. And the Bible says, he has given us the spirit of his son, whereby we cry what? Abba, father. So when you are praying, just pray knowing that my father is also now your father. Period. Did you get that? Now, the next thing is, thy kingdom come. That will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. So how does the kingdom come? Go with me, Amplified Translation. Mighty chapter 12, verse 27. Amplified Translation. Hallelujah. Is anybody picking anything from this? You sure you're following this? Mm-hmm. Okay, 27. Matthew 12, 27 to 28. Now here, Jesus, uh, I, I would like us to take it from the Amplified Translation, if you can get it. 
Here Jesus kind of cast out a demon from someone, from a young man, and the people came and said, Oh, is he in the spirit of Bezabah? Is that okay? Right. And Jesus responded. And if I drive out the demons by the helps of Bezabah, by whose help do your soul drive them out? For this reason they shall be your judges. Who is your son he's talking about? His disciples. Because they are the Jewish people who has come to start following him. And he gave them power to cast the devils. And he says, see, what I have just done is what your sons, Peter, James, and all those people are doing. They'll be able to tell you if also they are using the spirit of Beelzebub. Is that okay? Now, look at verse 28. Hallelujah. But if by the spirit of God that I drive out the demons... Then the kingdom of God has come upon you before you expected it. So how does the kingdom come? It comes via the Holy Spirit. Are you there with me? Are you following it? If I drive out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come Unto you. You don't need to wait for it. It's not coming tomorrow. It comes through the Holy Spirit. Now, before Jesus came, can I show you who we were? Ephesians chapter 2. Look at verse 1 and 2. King James Version. Let's put it on the board there. Ephesians 2, verse 1 and 2. And ye had a quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Go to verse 2. Look at this. Powerful. Where in time past you walk according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now walketh what? In the children of disobedience. This is what everybody was. So when Jesus came through the Holy Spirit, this spirit is driven out of your heart, and the kingdom is established in your heart. Are you listening to me? So it's not something you wait for. When you say the kingdom is not here, you are invariably saying the Holy Ghost is not here. If you say the Holy Ghost is not here, why are you speaking in tongues? What is making you to speak in tongues? Hallelujah. Look at Luke 17. And verse number 20 to 21. I'll show you now. Luke 17, 20 to 21. And when he was demanded... Of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God shall come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh now with observation. In other words, it's not something you see. Other translations say it does not come with fanfare. Now, you see, you see, brother, even your legislators or those people, anytime they're passing by, you know what happens? Motorcycles in front, from Vehicles there with home, you know, a king or a president is coming or a governor is passing by. Do you understand what I'm talking about now? Right. That's observation. In those times when a king is passing through a territory, everybody, I remember in those days when we were young in this city, when Gowan came, I remember what happened. You see, escort riders in front, all of us would go and lie down by the roadside, you know, just to wave him, even Buhari, when he was a military 
you know, president or governor or whatever it is. We, we're doing the same thing. That's what it means, fanfare. The kingdom does not come in that way. That's what he's telling them. Is that okay? Now, look at verse 21. Hallelujah. Neither shall they say, Lo here or Lo there. For what? Behold, the kingdom of God is where? It's within you. It's not out in this space. It's not in Israel. No. It's not in Jerusalem. They, they, don't let everybody tell you the kingdom is in Israel. Oh, when God comes, He's going to set up His kingdom in Israel. Who told you that? That's human theology, not Bible. Let me put it this way. If Jesus were to reign the way we look at it, as a natural king, and he has his kingdom actually in Jerusalem, I'm very convinced that two thirds of the whole world who are believers cannot be able to see Jesus before they die. How many of you will be able to buy tickets to fly to see Jesus? Are you following what I'm talking about? And Jesus is saying, now everybody needs me, everybody wants me. I'm making it very simple for you that wherever you are, I'll be there with you. So I'm coming as the Holy Spirit. But you want to make it difficult. You want to put him there so that you can go there. How many of you? Now you think that people will be lining up. I mean, thousands of millions will line up to see Jesus in Jerusalem. Something's wrong with our head. Something is wrong with our head. We're not thinking right. Is anybody follow what I'm talking about? How many of you will be able to see him? You can't smell his presence till you die. Even if you go there, if you manage to buy your ticket and go to Jerusalem and queue to see him. Think of those who have been there before you. You won't even get, you will die with hunger before you ever see him. He said, I want to reduce those problems. I want to remove those problems. I'm coming to you as the Spirit. And yet we are still looking for him in Israel. Very unfortunate. The kingdom is within you. Remember, the kingdom has to do with the king's domain. That is to say, the king reigns in your heart. Like we read in Ephesians 2. There was a power operating in your heart before. He came and dislodged that power and established his throne. Hallelujah. Are we see here? The kingdom of God is where? It's within you. So how does the kingdom come? Because it's a prayer. Our Father, without heaven, will be the name, thy kingdom come. How did it come? How is it coming? It come through the Holy Spirit. That means the beginning of Pentecost. I mean, the kingdom was when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. Is that okay? Get this right. There's a between you've been baptized by the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit being you. Get this right. The Bible said, He that is in Christ is a new creature. He didn't say the man that the Christ or the Holy Spirit is upon. I don't have water here. Can I get a bottle of water? But let me just illustrate this. If you have a bottle of water, okay, there's one here. That's nice. Thank you. 
This is it. You have this two right here. Is that okay? A new creature is this. If you have a bigger bucket now with water, and I drop this water, I mean this bottle in the water, what are you going to have? You have the bottle in the water and the water in the bottle. That's a new creature. Is that okay? Do you understand what I've just said? You are not just only having Christ in you. You have to be in Christ. For he that is in Christ is a new creature. You may have him upon you, but you are not in him. Is that okay? Hallelujah. That is why in the book of Acts, the Bible says, For in him we live and move and have our being. In who? In God, in Christ. So God is an environment. In him we live and move and have our being. In him. Are you getting this? God is a realm. It's fine by Zion. A child is born, a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulder. How many of you remember that? Good. And said there shall be an increase of his kingdom, there shall be no end. Increase. That's a continuous expansion of the kingdom. Did the Bible say so? The increase of his kingdom, there shall be no end. So right from the day of Pentecost, now many people started the walk, 12 disciples. 12 to 70, begin to expand from Jerusalem, went down across the ocean, went down to Europe, went down right to Africa. There's an increase of his government. Hallelujah. So friends, listen to this. The grace of God, for instance, is nothing more than the kingdom. As he moves in powerful Hallelujah. That is just grace. Grace is not something very specific. Uh, when we're fighting it and teaching it. Listen, grace is simply the divine influence upon the man's heart to fulfill a given purpose. That is grace. How many of you will understand that the Bible says, No, I find grace in the sight of God? Was that New Testament? <laughs> so we think grace is a New Testament concept? No. And like I used to tell people, how many of you remember the story of Abimelech in Genesis 20 who took Sarah, Abraham's wife? You know the story? And God wanted to plague the very household of Abimelech. Thank you. And what's the next thing you see there? Bimele cried out and said, oh, come on. He told me as a wife. You're going to kill or disturb or, you know, an innocent man. God said, no. I knew that. That's why I withheld you from sinning against me. In other words, the desire to sleep with Sarah was taken away by God. That is grace. 
Grace is the ability to do what ordinarily you could not do. That's grace. Are you with me? So all these things about grace, and you are not preaching grace, you are not preaching gospel, they don't even understand what grace means. They're just running around all over the place. It's like Jeremiah who speaks it, some are running when I have not commanded. Eh? They are running when I have not commanded them, because they have not gotten a clue from God. They are running with it. We are great preachers. What is grace? Leave these things, brothers. Jesus never preached grace or sanctification or holiness. He merely touched them as their all essential part of the kingdom message. And these things I've just spoken about now, they were all found in the kingdom message. Because Jesus, the personification, for instance, let me even raise this question. For those who preach holiness, I have no problem. But I have a question. What is holiness? How do you define holiness? Tie your hair. Don't paint lips. Only women have problem with the issue of holiness. Men doesn't have. Woman must not wear trousers. Must not tie hair. Must not paint lipstick. Must not do anything. Women, you tell me the one men must not do. They don't have. So all the holiness messages about women. Hmm? But let me ask you this question. Scripture says, be ye holy, even as your father in heaven is holy. So how holy is God? Because you, you say you should be like God in holiness. How does God behave? How, how is he living? What does he wear? That's our problem. Because I said, be ye holy, even as your father in heaven is holy. So how do you describe God's holiness? The holiness of God is found in Christ. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So if you want to know how holy God is, you see him in Christ. So if you have Christ's spirit, then you are holy. By the way, God spoke to Moses and said, Pull up your shoes, for the ground you are standing is holy ground. How can ordinary ground be holy? What makes the ground holy? Because God was there. So wherever God is, is holy. That's why you are holy. Are you still following this? You see, you see, Pastor David, you're teaching this thing, you make people to live. No, 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 no. The Bible says that anointing, the Spirit in you will teach you all things. In other words, if you are going the wrong way, the Spirit will convince you and bring you back. That's why you have the Holy Ghost. Being a holy means I'm commanding you to be holy. Go here into the world. Don't you see? Those are commandments. They are not just statements. Go here is a commandment. Go and see no more is a commandment. Be holy is a commandment. In other words, you have no option than to be holy. Hallelujah. So, you see people preaching there, well, holiness, grace, sanctification. So, my commission, my commission is sanctification. I don't understand what you're doing. 
The Bible tells us, First Corinthians 1 and the 30th, what did it say? For he has been made to us righteousness, sanctification. We are sanctified. If Remember. Oh, come on now. I don't, let me not go there. Even God spoke to Jeremiah. He said, before I formed your mother, I called you and I sanctified you. I called you. Jeremiah was sanctified before he was born. So what is sanctification? Can you sanctify yourself? All these things are the message of the kingdom. If you understand what the kingdom is, you live a righteous life. Because, <laughs> like I used to tell people, how can you see the president child? Okay, let's even say the governor, the governor of our state now. Then one day you see the son walking with some tattered jeans, the type we buy now. All those ones that the news are pulled off. Eh? You know the kind of jeans I'm talking about. They call it, is it stone? What do you call it now? <laughs> you see, the things that mad people are using, you go and buy them. But sometimes it's difficult to know mad people now. <laughs> because, because you don't know who is, who is normal or who is mad. <laughs> because, because of the dressing, you don't know who mad people are right now. I'm telling you. See, if you go to the shop with your hard work, I mean, hard earned money, you buy trousers that are torn. I say it's fashion. Now, can you imagine the governor's child wearing anything like that and walking in the street? No. Why? Because just being a governor's child is in a royal state. He will dress to fit the father's position. And the Bible says, you no, go to Benin and get the upper of Benin child walking the road with that kind of father. They will arrest the child and call the father that your child has become mad. Because there's, there's, there's a dressing the street of royalty as far as the kingdom is concerned. You don't need anybody to teach you that one. I mean, how can you dress as if you don't know who you are? Do you know why this collar they were wearing? That, that you know, the Anglican, the priests were wearing. You know when the collar started in England? You know where it started? They said, now that we are a priest, wear collar so that you will not be entering any how places. With that collar, you can't enter a hotel to go and meet a prostitute. They will tell you that you are a priest. That is where collar started. It was meant to identify the priest so that they cannot be in certain places. Are you there with me? And the Bible says you are a royal priesthood. A holy nation. And here you are dressing like a ragamuffian. I mean, I don't know how to describe it. In the street, and yet you are a royal priesthood. You don't know yourself. You just do not know yourself. Or see the governor's child go to the street corner and sit on that mango tree and be playing Ludo with somebody. Can you see that? The natural man have more honor than the Christians. Because they have no understanding of their royalty. They don't know who they are. If they know they are from the kingdom, they belong to a king, they will dress as a child of a king. So you don't need to teach anybody holiness. They should know who they are. That they are holy. You dress so fit in. How many of you remember God told 
the children of Israel say, make garments for Aaron. You understand that? And for his children, godly priest garment, make garments for them to distinguish them. As priests in the land. Dress like any other man. No. You have something on your life. <laughs> you have something you carry. You belong to a family. A royal priesthood. Royal family. Uh, <laughs> let's just leave that. Hallelujah. The kingdom of God is the rule of God over the lives of men. And the rule of God begins in the lives of men. What's the nature of the kingdom? Let's begin to see how we begin to round up this. The nature of the kingdom. Romans 14, 17. Am I helping anybody here? <laughs> if only we can have more people teach the kingdom of God. If only we can have more ministers come to this understanding. We have a more, a more, how do I put it? Humane body of Christ on the earth. Hallelujah. The nature of the kingdom. Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but what righteousness and peace and joy were in the Holy Ghost. Can you take another translation? Anyone you want? Any other translation? I just want to see if there's any way it broke it down. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink. This one. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and what? And drinking. But righteousness, peace, and joy were in the Holy Ghost. Look at the next verse. The next verse, which is verse 8. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way, which way? Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost is what? Is pleasing to God and approved of man. Can you get that? Is pleasing to God. And <laughs> hear the word for Jesus. This is my beloved son in whom I were pleased. Now how will you please God? You walk what? In righteousness, in peace and in joy. Influenced by the Holy Spirit. Then you are pleasing to God. The kingdom is not about what you eat. In as much as I would like to fly a jet if I have the money, that is not the kingdom. In as much as I would like to drive the best car, that is not the kingdom. The kingdom is not things. <laughs> the kingdom is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The peace that passes all understanding. What that means is, this peace is guaranteed by the Holy Spirit, irrespective of what you have or you don't have. The joy that you can have. How many of you understand Paul and Silas were still singing prison and yet they were prisoners? Huh? I mean... They don't have nothing now, but they were locked up in prison, in the most part of the prison, and yet they were singing. That's a joy that comes from the Holy Spirit. Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And Proverbs say, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. 
So if difficulties are your way and you are crying, you don't have joy of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are you still with me? I want you to capture this. The kingdom is not about material things. Those things come. When you seek the kingdom, they come. You don't look for them. They have to come. Because you are a child of the king. Heaven and earth belongs to the Father. You are free to own anything. But those are not the things that gives you joy. Those are not the things that gives you peace. Can you see Jesus? He was an embodiment of the kingdom. Personified. Take for example. Here was Jesus with his disciples crossing and then heavy storm came. Guess what? The Bible says he was sleeping with a pillow in the front of the boat. How can you sleep? When wave is entering the boat you are in. This man had peace that passes all understanding. That's the kind of peace we're talking about. The house is burning, but you're sleeping. Because you know that you being there, it will stop before it gets to you. We're talking about somebody who understands who he is. What trouble people out not to trouble you if you're in the kingdom? No. Davados from the power of darkness and has translated us into where? The kingdom of his dear son. Not tomorrow. Are you done with me? Not tomorrow. When he say you've been delivered from the power of darkness, it is like the natural man, like Pharaoh, was ruling the children of Israel in form of God, meaning God is now ruling in your life. You are the domain that God rules in. Praise the living God. We've been translated, not tomorrow. It's not talking of when the kingdom will come one day. Then no, no. He said, right now you've been translated into the kingdom of His dear Son. So, you are only asked to live out the kingdom. Hallelujah. Just allow him to rule in your life. Just allow him to control you. You are in the kingdom. You are not going to be in the kingdom. The kingdom is here. It's not coming tomorrow. It's here right now. Right from the days of Pentecost, God established his dominion on the earth. Hallelujah. Go with the first Corinthians 15 verse 22. First Corinthians 15, 22. For an in Adam all die, and even so in Christ shall all be made alive. And that's also a hard scripture for everybody to believe. <laughs> it's just equating. They have to be balanced. In Adam all die. Even so in Christ shall all be made alive. I don't want to talk on that. Go and think. But every man in his own order, the word order, tagma in the Greek, meaning a squadron or a troop. In other words, everybody is not entering into the fullness of God at the same time. Christ, the first fruit, after a while, they that are Christ are disappearing. Then come at the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God. Even the Father, 
when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. His ruling is subduing. Have you read in the book of Revelation chapter 10? It talks about the mighty angel with the rainbow on his head. What's the rainbow? The covenant God made. I will no longer destroy the earth on the days of Noah. Remember that? The seven colors of the spectrum, when you put them together and spin it very fast, in physics, it becomes white. So, it speaks of purity. So, the crown on his head was purity. And then the Bible tells us there are one leg on the sea and one leg on the earth. Have you read that? Put it up. Put it on the board. Revelation 10, verse 1. I want to show you something here. <laughs> Revelation 10, verse 1. I saw another mighty angel came down from heaven clothed with a cloud and a rainbow was upon his head. And he fell with that where the sun and his feet as pillar of fire. And he had in his hand a little book open and, his, and he set his right foot upon what? The sea and his left foot upon what? The earth. Which sea is it? Atlantic Ocean or Indian? You see, this is where people don't get understanding from scriptures and they'll be teaching nonsense. Can you imagine how, how tall this man would be? One leg on the sea, one leg on the land. I mean, can you picture that? What does it mean to put a leg on something? But in the book of Joshua, I find that. You capture an enemy, you put your leg on the neck. That says you conquer that individual. To put your foot on the head of anybody means you conquer that individual. It's under your foot. Under your feet, as the case may be. So here we see Jesus. The sea speaks of multitude of people without the Holy Spirit. Bible talks about those for me now they are shame. Peter said that, James said that, and even this last man, the book of Jude, said the same thing. People like Balaam, people like Balaam, people like Corey. They are wells without water. Are you following what I'm saying? See, are speaking of people who do not have the Holy Spirit in them. The earth speaks of, of the Adamic man, the man of the earth. As we are born, the image of the earthy, he shall also be the image of the heavenly. So when he put his leg on the sea, he's conquering humanity. When he put his leg on the earth, he's conquering the Adamic life. That is Christ. You follow me? So his rulership is on. Right now, not tomorrow. He's subduing your life. He's subduing your appetite. The things you were doing before, you are not able to do them anymore. Why is this so? He's conquering, unknown to you. He said, the Bible says, the kingdom is like a living. Any little yeast you put on bread, it makes it swell up. It takes over. Living, living the whole life. The kingdom is like living, that is like yeast. It can penetrate. So the spirit is dealing with your emotion, dealing with your mind, dealing with your soul. It's subduing you to become a righteous fellow for God. Are you still there with me? Back to 1 Corinthians 15, verse 25. 1 Corinthians 15, 25. For he must reign. Can I hear an amen to that? He must reign. He what? He has put all enemies where? Under his feet. All enemies under his feet. 
everything that opposes the righteousness of God, the will of God, the mind of God, Christ is subduing it in your life. He must reign. And he has sat as a king and is ruling and reigning in your life right now. For the kingdom of God is within you. The Bible said the last enemy that shall be destroyed is what? Is dead. So, Jesus Christ is Lord. Is a simple definition of the kingdom of God. When you say Jesus Christ is Lord, you are simply saying that is God's kingdom. The king is ruling as Lord of Lord and King of Kings. Amen? What is the outworking of this rulership within us? Second Corinthians 5. Let me just rush through this and we can close. See some of you, you're getting tired now. Amen? You're getting tired. <laughs> Want some more? <laughs> Glory. Now I can do it for a long time, but I know you're getting tired. Amen. Second Corinthians 5 verse 19. I'm talking of the artworking. That is this rulership, this dominion, this control. What is it happening? What is happening? What is the outcome of this rulership in the life of the individuals and the believers? Second Corinthians 5 verse 19. The way that God was in Christ doing what? Reconciling the world. Unto himself, not imputing the trespasses unto them, and has committed all the word of what reconciliation. So it's reconciling all things back unto himself. Everything that left God is coming back. Man that left God is coming back. Are you done with me? Just give me Romans 5, verse number 10. I'll show you something. Romans 5, verse number 10. Hallelujah. For if we were enemies, you know, enemies are two people quarreling, right? Good. We were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Much more, be reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Are you not saved already? <laughs> they asked the question. Those who said, it is finished. Yes, I preach the message. It is finished, nothing more. It is finished. Huh? Have you heard that? It is finished. <laughs> it's very funny what they teach. What is finished? Look, tell me what is finished. Oh, it is finished. We only need to believe it is finished. What is finished? The blood reconciled you. Listen to me. You are not saved in the true sense by the cross. You are saved in Pentecost. Because you are born again from above. Is it the cross that gave birth to you? No. What gave birth to you? Pentecost. <laughs> you see, if you think the cross is what finished everything, then you are yet in your sins. Because it is the resurrection of Christ that we have faith in. The blood. Forgive your sins. But our faith is in the resurrection. Are you listening to me? <laughs> Glory to God. We shall be saved by what? His life. 
When he died on the cross, Leviticus 11 verse 7, the Bible said the life of the flesh is in the blood. When he poured out his blood, the life was released. After resurrection, 50 days after, the spirit came down and you were born again. The cross forgives your sins, but life is given through Pentecost. So what is finished? <laughs> you see, the cross is just the beginning of the journey of redemption. But you go, oh, it is finished. I see, Jesus, when he used that word, it is finished. Let me tell you something. He was not the first person to use the word. It was a common word in the Roman Empire. When the general is at war, he, he gets up to a high position and watches the battle going on. When he sees the last enemy drop, he gives a shout, it is finished. And the foot soldiers begin to come out of the battlefield. So when he said it is finished, what it means is he have destroyed principalities and powers. Their sins are forgiven. But the journey of being sung, it's on the other side of resurrection. Are you listening to me? And so here he tells us back to 1 Corinthians 15 again. I mean, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 19. So we're being reconciled. In other words, <laughs> there's something again you need to see. Oh man, I love this. 2 Corinthians 5 19. Are you there? 2 Corinthians 5 verse 19 again. Take it. I want to show you something here. What translation is it? Good. Now, I want you to look at it. You'll be reading your Bible. But can you look at something? Oh, come on. I'm getting something here. Look at it. God was where? In Christ. Ah. Does that mean anything to you? God was in Christ. If any man is in Christ. So, you are where God is. Oh. Oh. Can you see what I'm talking about? Listen, God was inside Christ. And if any man is in Christ, so you are where God is. And if, <laughs> for we are in Christ. In fact, in Him we live. In God we live and move and have our being. Now, that God is where? In Christ. Doing the work of reconciliation. And you are in God. And you are in Christ. So where are you? That's why Jesus said, I pray that they might be where I am. You remember that? Oh, come on. Oh, come on now. John 17. Can you understand that? Now that prayer has been answered. You are where he is. No wonder he said in the beginning, God. What is God? Elohim. What is Elohim? Elohim is a family name. It's not a name for one person. Go read the book. It's like he said, Akubi. Akubi is not one man. Akubi is one man. Joy is dead. The children are all dead. That's Akubi. In the beginning, Akubi created the war. <laughs> are you seeing what I mean? That's why God was asking Job, where were you when the sons of God Shouted for joy when I was created. So I was saying, Joe, can't you remember? Were you not there when we were created? Were you not remember that we allowed this thing to happen? 
<laughs> Are you sitting there with me? You see, your new belt is simply a remembrance and a reconnection to who you used to be. That is just your new bed. It's a remembrance. It's just bringing back to memory. It's like somebody who was mad and then they treated him and he became normal. That's your new bed. Are you still there with me? You have always been a son of God before you became who you are. Oh, come on now. That's why you see, when you see <laughs> Jeremiah 1, when you were reading verse 10, that God was speaking to Jeremiah and said, Before I formed thee in your mother's womb, I knew thee, and I called thee as a prophet, and I sanctified thee. Jeremiah 1, put it on the board there. Let this guy say it. So you see, you, you <laughs> it means Jeremiah was a prophet before he was, was brought down here. See, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before that came forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto thee. Before. Before. Not after you were born. Before. That as a spirit being, Jeremiah was a prophet. He came here to be a prophet of who he was. That's what I'm saying. Your new birth is only a remembrance of who you were. Your lost memory being restored. <laughs> Hallelujah. This could be dangerous for some of you, but you're going to take it. You have no option. <laughs> because you can't get angry now and leave the hall. <laughs> Hallelujah. You have been arrested. <laughs> you have to receive it so that your head can be correct. Are you there with me? You know, there are a lot of junks that are in people's heads. Platforms like this is meant to erase those things and rewrite. Eh? <laughs> Glory to God. Mm-hmm. Ephesians 1 verse 2, verse 10. Talking of the things that this new bear, this, 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 this reign of God is achieving. Ephesians 1 verse 10. Are you there? That in the dispersion of the fullness of time, he might gather together in one all things in Christ... But which are in heaven and which are in earth, even in him, bringing everything together. All the fragmented, even. <laughs> Listen. You remember the prayer that the thief prayed on the cross? Even Hannah. The thief said, Remember me in the kingdom. Remember that? And the Bible tells us, even Hannah. And then he said, God remembered Hannah. What does it mean to remember? God brought back the members of Hannah. Remembered. He picked up the members and reassembled them. Remembered. Are you catching what I'm talking about? God doesn't forget things. You think God has a lost memory of the time? Can't remember anything? No. When he said remember, see, bring all the members, the fragmented member, put them together. The whoop that was not properly functioning now has to function. He remembered Hannah. Huh? Put me back in shape. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are you still there with me? We lost our mind. That's why you see the prodigal son said when he came to his senses, 
when he came through his mind, he lost his mind before. But when he recovered himself, and he said, no, 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 I can't be here. I have a father that have all things. Why am I begging to leave? I must go back to my father's house. Nobody preached to the guy. That's why Jeremiah said, your backsliding heart shall correct thee. Your wicked heart shall reprove thee. It's not a matter of shouting. It's a conviction of the spirit. Hallelujah. Are we still here? So one of the things that God is doing is bringing everything together. Everything that was lost is bringing. That's why you see, it talks about a lost coin. Have you remember that? The lost sheep. Can you picture the lost coin? One coin that was lost. Have to light a lamp and search and sweep one coin. He's bringing nothing is going to be missing. Are you surprised that all the fragments were gathered after the twelve loaves? I mean, five loaves and two fishes. Are you surprised about that? Nothing should be lost. <laughs> and twelve speaks of the kingdom of God. You got to understand that. One is unity, right? Two is duality, male and female, dark and light, day and night. That is number two. It's a double witness at the mouth of two or three. Is that okay? One God, one spirit, one baptism, one faith. That is number one. Number three is triunity, not trinity. Triunity. Three God, man, one God manifested in three personalities of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. It's one God. That's number three. Is that okay? Number four speaks of the world. So you have the four quarters, north, east, west, and south. So you need four tires for your vehicle to be able to balance outside the force of gravity. You need four tires. That's number four. And the, the world was created on the fourth day of the creation week in Genesis. Remember that? Five speaks of your five senses. Man, you have five senses. Your eye, your skin, your mouth, your nose, your ears. Remember that? Your five senses. That's number five. It speaks of the fivefold ministry, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teachers. What is that supposed to mean? Grace. If you lose one finger or you lose all your fingers, you become leprous. A leper is a sinner. The symbol of leprosy is sin. So you lose your five fingers, you lose grace. What is that? You sin. That's number five. Number six speaks of the number of men. Man was made on the sixth day of the creation week. Is that okay? So number 66 have nothing to do with one man that is coming tomorrow. It has to do with you before you were born again. Mm. Six speaks of the number of man. And this way played up. Now let me ask you a question. Jesus was speaking. If you sin against the Father, shall be forgiven. If you sin against the Son, you shall be forgiven. But if you sin against the Holy Spirit, you shall not be forgiven. What's the meaning? Who is the biggest man there? Is the Holy Ghost more than God? So how can you sin against God, you are forgiven? Sin against the Son, you are forgiven? Sin against the Holy Spirit, you are, for, you are not forgiven? Who is the biggest man? Why did Jesus say that? This is what it means. Can I explain to you? God came to man to redeem man. And they say, Yahweh is a God of the Jews. We don't want to believe him. Sin number one. God said, well, I still want to get you. And I'm going to come to you as a human being. He came out Jesus. He said, Jesus of Nazareth. We don't want to believe him. Sin number two. 
He said, well, I still going to get you. And I'm going to come as the Holy Spirit. If you reject the Holy Spirit this time, I have no option for you. For the Bible says, no man can call upon the Lord except by what? By the Holy Spirit. So you have sin number one, sin number two, sin number three. That the three times man sin against God. Six, six, six. People thinking of one man is going to come from Bidunis. One name is going to be on forehead. Ignorance. They have refused to read the book. Are you done with me? Can I continue? Number seven is the number of God. It's a perfect number. Because God rested on the seventh day. So the number of rest, number of God. Eight is the number of Jesus. That's why you play a keyboard. When you go to the octave key, it gives you a high pitch. You're starting all over. Am I correct? You play a keyboard. So you're starting all over. Eight is the new beginning. And the, 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 that, that, that Jesus actually eight, eight, eight. A new beginning. Right? Number nine is the number of the Holy Spirit. That's how you have nine gifts of the Spirit. Number ten is completeness. One, Alpha. Zero, Omega. Alpha, Omega. One, Zero, Number ten. Is that okay? And you want to continue from there, you add one to zero, I mean to one, you add two, and begin to have 11, 12, 13, done that. You're only adding. It's completeness. Ten. So when you come to twelve, you have the kingdom of God. That's why the tree in the river, in the book of Revelation, bear twelve manner of fruit. Jesus has twelve disciples. Jacob has twelve sons. Are you getting that? That's the kingdom of God. Praise the living God. We have just refused to learn. We have refused to study. You see, we read, but we don't study. Scripture says, study to show yourself approved unto God. He said, you should study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needed not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Most of what we know. Our theologians, and I'm not against theologians, but what religion has given to us, not even because there are some sound theologians, people like E.T. Wright, powerful guys. Is that okay? Can we continue here? Colossians 128. And I was talking about everything that this rule is doing for us. It's reconciling all things, it's subduing all things. <laughs> Praise God. One of the things that, if I read Colossians 128, one of the things that the subduing is doing is transforming people. So you have Abraham becoming Abraham. You have Saul becoming Paul. Are you done with me? How many of you understand that Abraham was an idol worshiper? He was Abraham, an idol worshiper. Now, when he became Abraham, what do you think what happened there? God added his name, which is Yahweh, H, 
to Abraham to become Abraham. And that H is the fifth letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Which means he gave grace to Abraham. From Abraham to Abraham. And that is why also we get confused sometimes. We teach and say, Oh, what Abraham did is what is giving us problems. Ishmael is the Arab, is the Muslims. That's why they are fighting us, that we are fighting Isaac. No. Abraham did not give birth to Ishmael. The person that gave birth to Ishmael is Abraham. And the one that gave birth to Isaac is Abraham. You got to know the difference. Are you getting this? You see, you see, Pastor, how did you get that? You can go to Genesis 22. When God was telling Isaac, I mean, to telling Abraham to sacrifice his son. What did he say? Go sacrifice for me your son, your only son. You got that? Your only son. That means God recognized that he doesn't have two children. He didn't say choose out of the two. He said, take your only son. Yeah, Genesis 22. So, that, that theology that is the, the, the brother of... No, they are not. It's different fathers. <laughs> they are different fathers, not the same father. Are you there with me? <laughs> it's like you are talking of Saul and then Paul. They are not different person. Saul is different from Paul. How many of you understand that? Uh-huh. So what, what, what Saul did, how can you begin to equate it with what Paul is doing? No. Abraham was different from Abraham. Mm-hmm. You need to get that. Did it make sense to you? I'm talking Bible. Alright. <laughs> Praise God. Okay, go to Colossians one twenty eight. I think I need to be. Oh. I'm going to read fast and then shut down so that you can rest. Maybe it's about time you're supposed to eat, right? No. You told me I'm going to start by 12, right? Oh, I'm sorry. You should have been giving me a signal my time is up. <clears throat> Colossians 128. I was saying, <clears throat> sorry. When we preach one in every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. There's a point. We bring a man to maturity. The rule of God is bringing you to the place of maturity that will not be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Is that okay? Okay. I'm going to end up by entering the kingdom. What do you do? You know, Jesus talked about, I'm not going to teach, I'm not going to talk about um, John 3, I don't want to talk that, when he was speaking to Nicodemus. And you must remember something again, that Jesus used the word repent. You know, you must be born again only once in the whole Bible, and he used that for a religious mind. Did he use it for the unbeliever? Did I get the point there? He used it for a religious mind. You must be born again. And the true sense, it doesn't really mean born again means more be born from above. For that which is born of the flesh is flesh. We're talking about human flesh. That which is born into Judaism operates as a Judaism because you are a rabbi. Not just human flesh. Somebody said, David, where did you get that? 
Oh, you need to begin to find out what Paul was writing to the Galatian church. Have you begun in the spirit or you're ending in the flesh? What flesh? They were already walking in the spirit and people came and began to teach them the laws of Moses to begin to operate on the principles of Judaism. So he said, you come to the flesh. Philippians 3, he said the same thing. So touching religion of the Jews and the Pharisees of Pharisees. Talking of boasting in the flesh. Philippians 3. So why we talk about flesh? We're not just talking about human beings. We're talking about Religion, Jesus, especially Paul, was using it for religious people. Hmm? And so, go to Galatians 4, you read the same thing and say, That which was born of the flesh persecuted that which is born of the spirit. Did you read that? Meaning, Ishmael was persecuting Isaac. Isaac was born of the spirit. How? Because it was a promise. Is it making sense? Okay. Anyway, let's leave that. I want to talk to you about entering the kingdom. Maybe some other time we can talk about that. Hmm? Okay. <sighs> enter the kingdom. Certain things have to get out of your life to be able to enter the kingdom. First of all, Malachi 3, verse number 1. Malachi 3, verse number 1. I want to read something. Look at what he said. Behold, I send my messenger. And he shall prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant whom you delight in, behold, he shall come, said the Lord of hosts. Who is he talking about here? John the Baptist and Jesus Christ. And he called both of them what? Messenger. Now the word messenger means angel at the same time. I mean, if you remember that. Verse 2 says, But who may abide the day of his coming? Who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire and like a fuller's soap. Praise the Lord. Like a refiner's fire and like a fuller's soap. Look at verse number 4. And he shall see it as a refiner. Where is he sitting? Right in the temple. He shall see it as a refiner, purifier of silver. And he shall purify the sons of Levi, priesthood. And pour them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord what? An offering in righteousness. So there's a purging taking place in your life. There's a purifying taking place in your life. There's a processing. He sits there as a refiner's fire. Huh? Gold speaks, I mean, silver speaks of redemption. That's why in the book of Joseph said that have plenty of silver. But gold speaks of the divine nature of God. He purifies you, come get redemption, but then process you. Well, the next thing, you put on the divine nature of God. One with God. Hallelujah. Did you understand me? Go with me to 2 Corinthians 10, verse number 3. Now this is another scripture that we have I've been so abused, I've been so abused in the religious system. Second Corinthians 10, verse 3. But though we walk in the flesh, we do not walk after the flesh. For the weapon our warfare not cannon, but mighty true God to the pulling down of strongholds. Ah, come on, this is it. That is where we stop. Those of us who do spiritual warfare. Hmm? This is this. This is the scripture for spiritual warfare. Hmm? Our, our, our warfare is not carnal. We are praying from the Spirit. 
demolish all demons. Paul was not talking about demons here, people. Now we'll show you now. What are strongholds? Strongholds are mental assets and concepts that people believe in to live their life. They are cultures that have become so embedded in that. Now let me give you a simple illustration. Before Mary Slessor came to Calabar, they were killing twins that they were demons. Have you read that before? Very good. Before the woman came, I said, no. I begin to explain to the In Nigeria here, that twins were demons. Now, that was a stronghold. It was a belief system. Are you there with me? Right. That if any woman gives birth to twins, the twins have to be killed. Because they are demons. So strongholds are cultural. But people have come to believe in and they are living their life with. They are not demons. People are going to tell you they are demons. They are not demons. These are cultural traits. Belief systems. Are you still following what I'm talking about? You know, somebody was writing recently about if you want to marry a lady and it was beginning to describe if you marry from Lagos, you're going to have a problem like this because those in Lagos they I don't want to describe what they said. When you marry Calabal, they said, no. the person was able to trace all the cultural traits, beliefs of these tribes. The way that women behave. It's a culture. Look at the next thing. Verse 5. Casting down what? Imaginations. And every high thing that exalted itself against what? The knowledge of God. And bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That is the warfare. We are changing mindsets. Not demons. Huh? No spending all the time casting demons, praying. Oh, God help me. The time you used to meditate and think of good things and speak of the glory of God, you chasing demons that are not existent. These are just mindsets. Why do you think in the book of Ephesians, the Bible says, the men that turn the world upside down have come here? That's the men that's changing the belief system of our people. They've also come to this place. They're turning the world upside down. That's the kingdom of God. We're turning people's mindset. We're changing their belief system. That's the message. That's the gospel. Not all this chasing of demons or whatever. I, I've never said this, on, but let me just say this. I've never said this online any time, but let me just say this. You know, from my tribe, when you are married, when ladies married, you don't go out to meet another person. You know that? Good luck, you know that. When that happens, it's either the child will die in the house, or anything can happen. The husband can die, anything can happen. It's a belief. You know that, right? About three years ago, a lady was brought to me. No, more than three years now. A lady was brought to me. I said, what's the problem? Man? The guy who brought her to me, I met this lady in the, in the beer parlor. We were discussing business. Went to a beer parlor to discuss business and I saw this lady. She was all by herself. Took the first bottle, second bottle, third bottle, fourth bottle. I became afraid. I said, what's the problem? There's nothing. I'm just trying to relax myself before I go home. Are you married? Yes, I'm married. 
You have children? I have five children. So what are you doing here? I'm just relaxing. We just finished uh, political party uh, uh, meetings and uh, I just want to relax before going home. And the guy said, you need to see my pastor. I said, no, I've seen a lot of pastors. I forgot about that. I've seen them. I know them. He said, just see my pastor. And the lady was brought to me. When I was asking the lady this question, man, I was amazed what she was telling me. As a secretary to the political party, I don't want to mention, she was having five men in the political party that she was going out with. She's married. After meeting, she sleeps with those men before she gets back home. Then I asked her, but you are from this tribe, says. Yes. Why is it that nothing happens to your family? She says, I don't believe. Simple. So what? He said, I don't believe. I don't believe in those things. That's all. <laughs> That's where the belief is so powerful. Are you getting what I'm talking about? This is not story. It's what happened. And by the time I said, okay, so that's the way you've been living? So that's the way I live. I said, okay, from today, we no longer have the power to do that. Go home. But she said, would you lay hands on me? I said, is it my hand you want or your freedom? He said, I need my freedom. And I said, go home. Somebody asked me, how did you get that? How did Eli speak to Anna? To have a baby. Go. And have your child. How did Jesus speak to the woman that was caught in adultery? Go. And see no more. If you understand the power of your words. If you understand where God has elevated you to. As a minister. You don't struggle with demons. You don't struggle with demons. Until today, that woman is free. She calls me every day. She finally relocated from the city to go and join the husband. She is completely free. I didn't spend time. I, won't have, I don't have time. I just told her, go. You will never have power to do that anymore. And she's okay. There's nowhere I am that she doesn't contact me. These are strongholds. We are not demolishing. Okay, let's read this from message translation. You will like it. Second Corinthians 10, verse number 3. Are you following what I'm talking about? You see, your words are creative. Three days ago, somebody came to me and said, You were preaching in one particular church, and I was there with my husband. And my husband had a problem of the back. Serious one. Have defined medical solution. But when you start teaching, my husband was feeling something going down the body, down to the very spot where the problem was. And by the time you were done with your message, it's completely healed. Creative words. God said, I place my words in your mouth to create the heavens and establish it. You, know, you, spend, you spend hours. You want to deliver one person, you are asking questions, what is your name, and uh, eh? how many of you, say we are six, and then who is the senior one, he said, senior one is black. <laughs> and you are very happy that you are doing your deliverance. But it was you that preached yesterday in church, that the devil is the liar. Now the devil is telling you you are six, and you are believing. So who is fooling who? Who is fooling who? 
You said the devil is a liar. How do you agree or believe that the name he just gave to you now is the correct name? You don't have time to be interviewed. You are not a journalist. Cast out devils. That's what he says. We should be stopping, right? Let's read this final one. Second Corinthians 10 again, verse number 3. Please just go with me to message translation. Let me read very fast. So, the world is on principles. It dark, it dark out there. The world doesn't fight fair. But we don't live or fight our battles that way. Never have and never will. The tools of our trade aren't for marketing or manipulation. But they are for demolishing that entire massively corrupt culture. Praise God. Verse 5. What did he say? We use our powerful God tools for smashing what? What philosophies? Tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God. Fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience into maturity. That's the warfare. That is the warfare. Nothing to do with demons. So you can understand that even as we are talking, we are on a battlefield. Can you see that? Alright, so let, now let's read the final scripture for today. Then I'll let you go. And you will let me rest too. Hebrews 12. You know Hebrews 12. Let's look at Hebrews 12. You're going to read King James and go to Message Translation. I love it more in Message Translation. Hebrews 12. Let's just read from... Read 20. King James. And then... 21, I guess, no, 21 to 22. Yeah, we're going to stop with 20. King James. Okay, Hebrews 12. King James, please. Hebrews 12, 20, from 20, from verse 20. That's what it says. For they could not endure that which was commanded. This is talking about Mount Sinai when Moses was given the laws. Is that okay? Right. And if so much as a bit, as a bit touched the mountain, it should be stoned or thrust through with that. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I sin in the fear and quake. Do you know why the scriptures say God has not given us the spirit of fear? Because now we have the spirit of sonship whereby we can cry, Abba Father. Israel was like slaves to God. Why? Because they can't talk to God. Because they told God out of this fear, talk to Moses and let Moses talk to us. So the information we were getting was second hand information. But Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. They know me and I know them. And the voice of stranger, they will not hear. The only reason you continue to look for prophets is because you are not hearing God. Oh yeah. Let us sink in a little bit. Go to verse 22. But you are come, everybody say, you are come. You are come unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to a numerous company of angels. You are come, not just you are going to come, the heavenly Jerusalem, the one you want to go to, you have come to it, not tomorrow. 
This is the Jerusalem which is coming from above. This is the city of God coming from above. Some of you want to go. You miss the city. It's coming down. You are going. You're going to miss the city. Anything. Okay. Look at verse 28. Go now to message translation verse 28. But don't forget that scripture. You are come to my Zion. I love this. Wherefore we receive it. Are you there? Okay. I'm, I'm still reading this. Sorry. Um, okay. Okay, okay, okay. Go to verse 26, message translation. Go to verse 26. Let's go to verse 26, message translation. It talks about his voice that shook the earth to his foundation. This time, he told us this quite plainly. He will also rock the heavens. One last shaking from top to bottom, stem to stem. Don't permit me to say something here. I want to let you go. Otherwise, if God is shaking heaven, where will he be? <laughs> that means we need to understand again what heaven really means. When Jesus said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away, what do you think he was talking about? He was just talking about the temple. They just believe the temple was the full stool of God. God sat on the throne in the most holy place on top of the ark. And Jesus was saying, everything I'm telling you, until this temple is destroyed, my words will not fail. And the temple was brought down in AD 70 by the Roman armies. Seven and eight for the Jews passed away. He's not talking about where God lives. Hallelujah. Look at this, verse 27. The phrase, one last shaking, means a thorough house cleaning. Getting rid of all those historical and religious junks. Amayahata. I like this. Are you with me? So that the unshakable essence shall stand clear. And what? Uncluttered. Do you see what we've got? An unshakable kingdom. And do you see how thankful must be? Not only thankful, but brimming with worship. Deeply reverent before God. For God is not indifferent bystander. He's actually cleaning house. Touching. What do you mean touching? He's burning. All the needs to burn. And he won't quit until it's all cleaned out. God himself is what? Fire. When we read God is a consuming fire, we read it for demons. No. We read it for enemies. What God is saying in his word is, he's wiping away all those religious junks. As far as we system is concerned. Because here is the comparison of Mount Zion and Mount Sinai. Are you listening to me? So all the religious worship, the Jewish system, is what God is dealing with. That's why in Colossians I begin to tell you, you can no longer be involved in touch not, do not, eat not. Are you getting what I'm talking about? All those religious junks and historical, which have to do with religion of the Jews, is what is cleaning out and wiping away. Our God is a consuming fire. His words a fire. And even now, something is going right inside of you. 
There's a change of mindset. God is consuming some things that have nothing to do with the kingdom of God. And when those things are removed, God's kingdom becomes clear. You become who you are supposed to be. A true child of God. An heir unto the throne. Not a slave child. An heir unto the throne. Not a vagabond. An heir unto the throne. You qualify now to receive from your father as an inheritance. Because God himself is now your father. And any time you are heir, it means you are qualified to inherit some things. What is the Bible all about? To show us the will of God. The word testament simply means will. So we have the first will and we have the second will. And remember this. Anytime a will is written, it's written for the heirs in that family. Every rich man gets a lawyer to write down his will that every child will have to own this or that. Are you listening to me? Take this. Now, this is what the Bible is all about. God has written the Bible. And he wrote a will concerning you. Now there's something again I need to get you to see. Any will that is written. Except the testator dies. The will cannot be put into manifestation. God wrote a will concerning you. How will he die? He has to become a man. So that he will die. Then a lawyer. John will tell you, Jesus is the advocate. He will come and read the will. Oh, somebody said God died? Give me Act 27. Act 20, verse 28. Let's read it. Act 20, 28. I'll show you something. Are you there with me? Act 20. Okay. This one is also very Where there is a testament. No, let's first take that. Let's first take that. That's very important. Go back. The testament, before you come here. You just gave me something very powerful. Where there's a testator. Very good. Look at that. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be what? The death of who? Of the testator. So, God has written a will. Now, how can the will be brought into manifestation? Except he must not die. How is he going to die since his spirit? Go to Acts 20 now and verse 28. I'll show you. Act 20. Take it therefore to yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God which he has purchased with what? His own blood. Can you get that? God being spirit poured his blood into a man called Jesus so that he can die as a testator so that the will written about you and for you may come into effect. And Jesus now become the advocate, the lawyer, to read the will. So when you read the book, find out what God has written about you. You don't read and see enemies. You don't read and see demons. No, no, no. There is something written about you. You are an heir of the Father. When you read, find out what belongs to you so that you can become an inheritor. That's what the Bible is all about. That's what the scripture is all about. But when we read, we see devil. We see antichrist. We see witches and wizards. We see demons. We see this. We see that. You're making a big mistake. James said, the perfect word of liberty is like a mirror. The perfect word of liberty said it's like a mirror. Now you show me. How can you read, be looking at a mirror and be seeing me? Huh. Don't you think something is wrong? Anytime you open the Bible, you are seeing your neighbor instead of seeing yourself. 
How many people look at the mirror? Sister, when you look at the mirror, is it your husband you see? Ah, what does the mirror tell you? Something is wrong here. You remove it. Your eyelashes are not correct. You put them right. Plus the one you just bought and borrowed. You arrange them. Mirror shows you that. It doesn't tell you about somebody else. But when you read the Bible, what do you see? You see somebody else. You are reading in error. See yourself. See what God wants. See the change in your life. See your inheritance. Start to dominate. That's what the Bible is all about. I don't read and see people. I don't read and see demons. I read to find out what God has given to me. That's an inheritance. I'm an heir of God. Glory to God. Are you see, follow what I'm talking about? You are an heir of God. Give me Galatians 4. You are an heir, verse 1. You are an heir of God, people. Praise the living God. You read the Bible, you see people, see demons, see nothing, right? See something. Stop it. See yourself. See what God has for you. Christ is the advocate. He has come to interpret the will that God wrote down. Now I say that the heir, as long as it's a child, different not from what? A servant. This one is slave. But though it be what? The Lord of all. Look at the next thing. But it's under tutors and governors until the time I pointed of the Father. And then even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the element of this world, the principle of this world, the philosophy of this world, the dictates of this world, all of those religious trash were under those things controlling us. But what it meant to rule us is the Holy Spirit. Look at the next thing. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth what? His Son. Made of a woman. Made what? Under the law. That's why he went for baptism. Because baptism is repentance. So what was he repenting of? He was repenting of the law. Leave that. To do what? To redeem them that we are under the law. That we might receive what? The adoption what? Of sons. Go to the next thing. Oh no. Now I love this. And because you are sons. Because you are what? You are sons. You are not slaves. God has sent forth what? The spirit of his son into your heart. Cry what? Abba Father. You are sons. You are not slaves. Are you listening to me? You read with the mindset of somebody discussing with the father. You go down and say, God, what do you have for me? Show me my portion. Like the prodigal son went to the father and said, can I get what belongs to me? He knew what belongs to him. You have to know what belongs to you. You have a portion in the house of God. Seek for that. Don't look for devils. Praise the living God. A time is coming. Good luck, my brother. A time is coming. It will no longer be in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? Jesus never cast out the devil calling upon Jesus. He was the son. If you have the spirit of the son, the son cannot call upon the son. That is why you see Peter, in the book of Acts chapter 4, he said in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, because there were so many other people called Jesus. But he wanted to tell the Jews of the one they were expecting that they rejected but when you get to when you hear Lydia, he never used the word Jesus. Simply when they say Tabitha arise. Did you see him call Jesus? No. Because he was one with Jesus. The soul cannot call upon the son. The spirit in your heart is the spirit of the son. 
that is Jesus resides in you. So Jesus can only speak. You don't need to call. Now I'm not saying don't use Jesus' name. I'm just telling you, you need to grow. Come on, stand up somebody. Hallelujah. Is anybody following what I'm talking about? I want you to come to the place of maturity and then I want you to begin to pray. Talk to the Father. Has God helped you in any way? Has God spoken to you in any way? Has God ministered to your heart? Talk to the Father. Talk to the Father. Talk to the Father. You need to move. You need to migrate. You need to come to the place of maturity. Begin to pray. Begin to pray. Begin to pray. I want you to pray. Yes. If there be anything that is standing on the way of the full manifestation of God's spirit in your life, it's going to be out right away. Talk to the Father. Talk to the Father, talk to the Father, talk to the Father. Talk to the Father. Reba Kobashaha Kabaria. Talk to the Father. Reke Poshantariba. Reme Sontari Kacharahakaba. Rikabra Sotobaria Basada. Talk to the Father. There should be a shift to your spirits. There should be a shift to your spirits. A shift to your mindset. There's a burning up of the chaff. Of religion that we may be fully manifested as who we are. Mobo Satari Saka Shaka Prabhasida Hagaba. Repes a new day is starting. A new day is starting. A new day. A new season. Bobo Shokori Prasakaba. Kambari Sankariba. A new day. A new day. A new season. Religion is dying. We got to stand up as sons. We got to stand up, not slaves. We got to stand up, work in authority, work in dominion, work in power. Work in dominion, work in power. Double. The night is for Spain. The day is gone. Come on, you say, Baraba. Satan is being bruised under your feet right now. Religion is dying. Now you may stand up as sons of God with power and authority. Walk in the earth in the dominion that God has given to you. Glory, glory, glory. Bobo Seteri Katabra Sotebara. Yendere ke prosotira hata. Bropo sotorisa te prosetuba. Repese. This is a new day. This is a new day. This is a new season. It's about time you arise. It's about time you arise. Religion must die. Korobo shatabarisaka. You are free born citizens. The devil has no power over you. The only power of the devil is deception. Talk to your father. Talk to your father. Talk to your father. I pray that illumination begin to come to you. Greater light begin to come to you. Receive grace for illumination. Light breaking forth into your mind.
receive illumination from this hour. That when you read the Bible, you read it to understand it. Truth of God's word, the goodness of God, be revealed to you. You don't read like somebody who is afraid. Read with the spirit of sonship. It's a new day for you. Hallelujah. 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 You must grow. You must grow. You must move. It's about time you change your frequency. We are talking about the kingdom of God. We are talking about the message of life. That we bring transformation. That we bring transformation to the hearers. That we bring deliverance to the hearers. Send forth your word. And your word healer them. It's a new day. It's a new season. Thank you, mighty God. In the name of Jesus. Father God. I pray for everyone here present. That God they receive the grace and the power of illumination. That a great light will be done in their spirits. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I speak to your spirits to be awoken to the understanding and reality that you are a son of God. You are not a slave anymore. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I release the dominion power of his kingdom to begin to work out its perfect will in your life. That you come to the place of maturity. In the name of Jesus, let the rule of God have his way in your life. Let it have its way in your soul. Let it have its way in your mind. In the name of Jesus. Be thou quickened. Be thou quickened. Be thou quickened. Let light arise. In the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, precious Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Obaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email at admin at gkai.net. God bless you.